This is The Exchange, humanizing commerce through post-purchase connection. For the last few weeks, we've been asking listeners of The Exchange what they want to have us cover on the show. And one of the most popular answers was how to incorporate social responsibility into a D2C brand. There are so many questions out there on how to get started, how to avoid seeming disingenuous, and what types of benefits come along with that shift. And today we have Ben Sale, co-founder of Cotton, joining us to answer those questions. Welcome to The Exchange, Ben. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being here, Ben. And maybe to get us started before we get too far along, just want to give you a chance, open-ended question. Just tell us a little bit about, about Cotton. Yeah, so uh, Cotton's a apparel and, and lifestyle brand. We make uh, everything from t-shirts to bed sheets, uh, really focus on essentials that uh, will really last, um, trying to focus on just great quality, simple design, um, but, you know, really elevated stuff that you can kind of keep for your whole life. Um, so uh, not kind of the anti-fast fashion. Love that. Perfect for what we're talking about today. And I think that the best place to start on this topic is actually with like a definition of social responsibility. What does social responsibility mean to Cotton? Yeah, so this is such a good question because it's um, the words themselves are so simple, and yet I feel like it gets thrown around like jargon so much, especially you hear terms like CSR. And um, I mean, ultimately, it's, it's a responsibility, you know, like it, not to quote Spider Man, but like with great power comes <laughs> great responsibility. And um, I, I think. It often goes awry when people think about CSR like they think of any department of their company where it's not doesn't apply to them. It applies to the CSR manager or something like that. And really, it's to me, it's just this responsibility that we have to um, our stakeholders, just like we have financial responsibility to our shareholders. And our stakeholders are the people that our business touch. Um, so that whether that's suppliers, customers, uh, employees. Um, it's, it's, you know, sort of everybody that's on every end of your company, where are you touching them? And then are you considering the impacts that you're having on those individuals? Um, because ultimately you're trying to, if you're trying to build a lasting brand, the best way to do that is, is that if you have everybody rooting for you. And so the way I really like to frame social responsibility is not as like this added bonus that you do on top, but it's really like a foundational layer that should be part of your DNA not for the sake of giving back, but for the sake of building an enduring company that uh, really is going to last and that people are going to want to see last. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting hearing you talking about it that way because I think more and more brands are thinking the way that you guys are thinking. Um, has that been something, has like social responsibility been core to Cotton since you guys were, you know, were founded or, or how to... I don't know, maybe talk, take, take us through the evolution of how social responsibility is fit. Yeah, so we get asked this like all the time, um, especially just because, because it's not as commonplace for people to, to take a major stance on it, then you get labeled as like a, an ethical brand or something like that. Um, we never set out to do that. Uh, when we first started, uh, it was really simple. Originally, we just wanted to do a side project where I wanted to make a white t-shirt because uh, I had expensive and cheap white t-shirts. And I was wearing the cheap ones Monday through Friday, and then I would switch into like a nice white t-shirt for Friday nights and Saturday nights. And it was this really hot summer in New York. 
I'm wearing all the time. I'm getting pit stains in the white ones. And so then I'm afraid to wear the, the expensive ones. And just thought that that was kind of crazy. And so, um, you know, we heard, saw this DTC stuff and that was starting to pop up. This is about six years ago. And uh, thought, hey, you know, we could probably make something. And, um, and so then we started to look into it. What happened was it was just sort of that Wizard of Oz moment of looking behind the curtain and seeing um, you know, what's, how, how it's made. And then being like, Oh shit, this isn't that good, you know? And, uh, <laughs> uh, wanting to just do something a little bit better. So, I mean, we always want to win on product first. And I think that that should always be the case. You shouldn't win on, uh, you know, people shouldn't make excuses for your product just because you do something well. I think doing it well, uh, like the right way, quote unquote, should be the standard. Uh, and then you still have to win on product. So, uh, yeah, we never really st started out to be an ethical brand. We didn't really know that that was even that much of a thing. Uh, we definitely saw some of the stuff in the coffee industries and tea industries um, back in that day. And then um, it was more just, you know, once once you find out, um, you can't sort of unfind it out. So, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, that that's kind of how it started. And then and then we've just leaned more and more into it. That's great. I mean, it, it sounds like since since day one, since the inception, it's been it's been core to your ethos, and and I'm sure there's quite a bit that you guys have achieved over the course of of, of the, your time in in business. So maybe, what are some things that you can point to that you're really proud of? That like from the point where you looked behind the curtain and realized like, oh my god, we need to change this to where you are today. Like, I would assume there are some some landmark moments you guys have had where you were like, yeah, this is we've, we've achieved what we were set out to to do. Maybe talk us through some of that. I mean, one of the things that I'm just like proud of is that we were able to do something that other people would be as into uh, as we were. Um, and mainly, I, I mean, our, our employees, but definitely the, the extended community as well. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it soon. But uh, one of the things that we're, we're probably most known for is our Black Friday campaigns. Um, and what we do there is we donate 100% um, of our proceeds to build schools in Egypt. Um, so definitely building that first school was was pretty amazing and um, uh, something that I was really, really proud of. Um, it's funny, we actually just did our 2020 uh, year in review yesterday, and we're talking about some of the social impact plans that we have for this year. Um, but it was really cool. So like d just in 2020, we passed this threshold of working now sourcing from a little over 2000 farms. Um, in the Nile Delta uh, with with Egyptian cotton and um, and then through our supply chain uh, with the social impact stuff that we do, we're now um, impacting just over a hundred thousand people. So that's wow. pretty cool and um, and it's it's an amazing way to just start to. <laughs> one thing I do is I go to like Wikipedia and I sort Canadian cities by um, by population, and I'm I'm trying to see like okay how big of an impact are we making? Uh, and so like okay we're we're getting we're getting close to Waterloo, my hometown, and um, you know trying to trying to track it that way, which is pretty fun. I love everything that you're doing with the schools and just like the words that keep on coming to me is like purposeful, like conscious of like what's going on, and like it's clear that that drives everything you're doing. And I was a big fan of that black Friday promotion, by the way, I think I called out every single person on your team saying like, that was amazing. Um, when you're talking about social responsibility and like you talked about building these schools, like it's, it's very easy to be like, Oh, I want to do that. But there's obviously a lot that goes from like the start to where you guys are right now. Mm -hmm. So what kind of advice would you give to a brand that's maybe just getting started? They're like, Hey, I want to, 
I want social responsibility to be a bigger part of my brand. How do I go from that being an idea to like actually putting it into practice? Yeah, that's a great question. So what we did is we created a map. So we created this, like we took this inputs, activities, outputs. So what are, who, what do we have? We got capital, we got uh, people, we got some retail stores, we got clothes. Uh, we have these, we do these activities of like manufacturing, we are selling stuff or, you know, what are all these different things we're doing? And then what are the outputs that we can come out of that? And so um, some of what, what we did was we said, okay, well, what does the future supply chain look like? And what does a better supply chain look like? For us, we looked at the current state um, and we said, okay, well, this, we know that this isn't sustainable, not in necessarily like a carbon way or anything like that. It's like, as a planet, this way of doing business, this way of making products uh, just won't last. It won't scale. And so we got to build something that's more resilient. And what is so common in business when you're trying to like eke out every um, dollar of profit is that you create a vicious cycle. And, and especially when you're manufacturing physical products, um, somebody is bound to get exploited because there's just, you're, you're just not going to turn over every stone. And so what we try and do is we create more, tried to create a model that would um, result in what we call like a virtuous cycle. And so as we scale, as we grow, things compound and strengthen um, and we can deliver more and more value, you know, to our customers, to our stakeholder, to our shareholders, but also to um, our manufacturers. And what that looked like in the beginning was we were uh, on the farms meeting these people and we thought, hmm, like in order for this to really work, these farms need to improve. In order for these farms to improve, they have to have the uh, cash flow to do it. They have to have the know-how to do it. They have to have the resources to build, to, you know, to get the machinery in, to build these things. And and so we, when we took a really long view and we said, hey, we want to be a company that's around for 100 years, what does that look like and how do we get started today? So what we did was we started with really, really simple stuff. We're dealing with Egypt. We're these really small farms. Um, one of the things we talked to them was they were having these cash flow problems uh, they wanted, you know, they need guaranteed prices and they had to spend some money up front to get things like fertilizer. And the amount of money that they had to spend on fertilizer was actually really, really small to us, not to them. Now, if we were trying to be a huge company, it would be a crippling amount if we, you know, to bootstrap something, if we were trying to have some huge launch. But we weren't. We were only trying to make 500 teas to start. It wasn't this whole thing. We were only working with like, I think 20 farms or something to source this cotton. And so we just bought some bags of fertilizer. We drove to the farms ourselves and we just signed some stuff and said, hey, here you go. Now you don't have to do it. And now, and we'll give you these guaranteed prices so you know what you're going to do. And then we'll just get your cotton from you at the end. And you can, and then, uh, and we'll just work it out. And so uh, it really alleviated some of their pains. And it also helped us. We got people bought in. They're like, when you're a little guy and you're trying to, get resources uh like manufacturers suppliers fabrics this sort of stuff it's pretty hard when when there's big guys that come in there and and roll over you and say oh we're going to do way more units than you mm -hmm. so what you can do is you can make it more appealing for them so we made it more appealing one uh financially and two by proving that we were on their side that we had their interests in mind i love it and you're talking about like the vicious cycle versus the virtuous cycle like when you're looking at that hundred year timeline and you think about like, what can I do today that starts to compound over that hundred years? Like that's how you create the virtuous cycle. And Ben, there was one thing that you had actually sent to me before we got onto the call. And it was this fantastic resource. I think it was from the UN, 
actually. And it was kind of like showing a couple different areas where you can have an impact. So like, obviously cotton has chosen one area to focus, but obviously like there are tons of different ways that you can help out. Like, is that where, is that a good place to start? Like I have nothing, like let's just pick something. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Alex. Um, yeah, it's, it's sometimes hard to even see where your impact can make a difference. Um, and thankfully there's people out there that are really smart that, that have already focused on this stuff. And so the UN already has this set of uh, sustainability goals and they've broken it out into these various categories. And so you can just look up UN sustainability goals, check them out. They, and then you can just, just read through them and say, Oh, Hey, you know what? My business applies to that. My business applies to that. So for us, um, it's like, okay, well, what are we, we're successful where, well, there was like, um, creating economic opportunity, uh, quality education, uh, gender equality, no poverty. Those are the four sort of major things for us in, in at the UN. That's like numbers one, eight, four, and five. Uh, we didn't really know that those things were existed, but then as we started to research, we found these pieces. We said, oh, huh. And what you can do is then you can start to think, you know, any any good strategy applies a lot of focus, right? And And so it's about really nailing down what do we want to focus on and then as we're thinking about these new initiatives, if we want them to have those compounding effects and build on top of each other uh, in that vicious cycle type approach, you want to make sure that they are all coming back to some uh, focused goals. And so that's a really easy way um, to to just root yourself in something. Um, and, and those scale like to any size of company. Um, and you can really just, you know, I, I, it really does scale down to something that if you're doing a lemonade stand uh, as a teenager to, you know, Shopify or, or, or some other huge global corp, uh, the, the same principles apply and, and you can make that a part of your business. Sure. So we, we love how Cotton has been able to integrate, um, you know, your mission and all the social responsibility into your marketing, like what we saw most recently with the Black Friday promotion. And I feel like a lot of brands are they don't know where to start. They're afraid to start. They feel like it might look disingenuous. Um, you guys have obviously mastered this and I think you've mastered it because it's authentic, but for brands who are maybe new to this and want to take a lot of the advice you're giving, like how do you marry social responsibility with something like a Black Friday promotion? There's two sides of it. One is I think you got to put your money where your mouth is. And, um, and what I mean by that is first you got to start do it and, and lead with actually doing something and then let that story, let the outputs, the outcomes of that story be the story. Let it, let it tell itself. Um, some of the ways that you can do that in the resources, cause it's, it's hard to figure that out. Like, how am I, um, how can I make sure that, uh, my company is actually going to hear to this? What we did was we, we started working with B Corp. And so B Corp, um, if, if those that don't know, um, is a certification that you can get that is all about um, uh, uh, stakeholder, um, uh, be like benefiting your stakeholders, meaning oh, those people that I said in the past. And, and they break it into a number of different categories, including community, um, uh, the environment. Um, <laughs> I'm forgetting the other two, but you, you, I, I won't do their job for them. You can check it out. Um, but they actually... In Canada, it's, it's not a legal thing, uh, but we have put it into our corporate documents. But in the U.S., there actually is a benefit corporation, so you can actually make it part of a legal uh, framework for your company. Um, now, that is a pretty far step, but 
that's at least one way that you can go. And one, and then they also make your scores public so other people can hold you accountable. So um, there, and it's a graduating scale. It's not like a one zero thing. There's, I think you have to hit a minimum score of, I think 75 or 80 to, 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 to get on there. And then it goes up to, I think 200 or something like that um, through the different categories. And so um, that's something that we've looked at. And then uh, when we came out and we were really focused on community, that was, that was part of our strategy. Obviously we scored quite high there. Um, and we, in the first time when we applied, we actually won the the best for the world award with B Corp. And then that, you know, uh, in a cap, in a, like a nice way for marketing also helps Boost along gives a little bit of social proof in that way. Uh, but then it also gave us some opportunities to say, hey, look at how we're not doing so well here and how we're not doing so well here. And what can we really do to crank that up? So we actually just applied uh, for like renewed now and did our, uh, uh, our, our second sort of full audit. Uh, it's a pretty long process. There's something like 600 questions. It does take around six months to do. Um, but for us, it's that's been our measuring stick. Um, and it's a way to make sure you're not like, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid sort of thing and and um, and just believing everything that you're doing. It, it's nice to have one of those um, third parties uh, sort of validate you. And in the same way, I think, you know, we all know about influencer marketing and how good it is when you can get uh, other people to to validate you, because uh, obviously, um, you know, consumers are going to trust somebody that they already trust. They're not going to, oh, this brand says it, so it must be true. Uh, I think the early 2000s taught us that that, <laughs> that, that wasn't to be trusted. Um, so that's part of our philosophy too, is like, we really like to have the community vouch for us. We really like to have this come from, um, people that are trusted sources, uh, and we want them to decide for themselves. And if they, you know, we hear it when we don't do it well, um, there's definitely a number of areas that we can always improve on. Um, and 2020 for, for sure was, uh, a, a, a battle test, um, and a way to just like really, uh, make sure that. Uh, we have our ducks in a row, but it was also a great way to, one, have the community really help us out. We were able to grow faster than we had ever before with uh, less ad spend, uh, anything like that, uh, so much more profitably. Uh, and that really came from our community being able to to help us out and spread the word. Um, and that, and that again, comes from putting your money where your mouth is. And and um, so, you know, I, th- I think when you, when you do it well, um, it, it, it it's obvious. Um, and if it's not obvious to you, then it's not that you're doing it poorly, but it means that there's some room to grow, um, and some opportunity for you to really get specific. Um, and, uh, somebody else should be able to, uh, look through your plans, look through your work and know that, oh, they're not just saying wishy-washy jargon. Uh, this is something that's, you know, um, real and tangible and there's some real outputs and there's some consideration, um, on how this is going to impact uh, the world in the next two, five, ten plus years. I think that's really important. Like the idea of letting it speak for itself at first. Like if you go and you want to invest in this and you start shouting it from the rooftops again, before like the accountability side, before someone's putting this in check, before people are able to see that for themselves and other people are talking about it, I think that actually is like a great marker to be like, hey, we can put together a campaign around this, like for Black Friday or something. Like, but there needs to be a little bit of validation from someone besides yourself just screaming it from the rooftops that this is a thing right the more you talk the more obvious it is that like social responsibility is not just like a thing that you guys do i mean it's it's like the reason you exist and you happen to sell great products to enable that mission um there are so many different ways in that last response that you talked about some public some not public where you guys are living into that mission and um do you have a sense 
have a, have a couple of thoughts here. Like I would think that customers that buy from you once probably buy from you multiple times because they're so bought into your mission and it's so like, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's everywhere on your website. Anyone who knows you guys knows that that's what you're buying into. I'm just sort of curious, like, do you have any kind of gut feel for how much that impacts people buying again and again from you? Um, and what do you think the mix is to around like people who buy from you specifically because of your mission versus how great your products are? Because you're obviously kind of, you're, you're kind of killing it in both categories. So how do you, how do you guys look at that and dissect that? Thanks. Yeah, so we do do a lot of customer research with that and surveys and that sort of thing too. I think, again, it, it does come down to product. If you don't have a great product, they're not going to go with you just because. it's you're, If you were looking to make the most amount of impact in the world with your capital, like there's more efficient ways to do that. If you're looking for the most efficient way to um, make an impact while also having the job to be done of better clothes and more, being more comfortable during the workday and looking good and, um, you know, sleeping well in our nice sheets and all that sort of stuff, then then we're the most efficient way to do that. And so uh, I don't want to be a charity. We definitely don't think of ourselves that way. Um, and and so that's really important. And when we look at our, our uh, but it, it comes down to essentially people are here because we're, we're doing things in an ethical way, or uh, at least we try to. Um, but they're, they're, you know, they, they're really opinionated about our products as well. And so we got to really nail that. Sure. I mean, you can't, you can't really, se- you, you just can't really separate the two. I mean, if you guys had an amazing product, but no social responsibility or vice versa, I mean, it's, it's a blend. But as you said, it's a loyalty business and we are, and we are, we do gear our products around, uh, things that you're going to want to wear forever. Like I do, I don't, you know, we do adapt to the trends and we do adapt to, staying modern and relevant um, and trying to do things that are future facing in our in our styles um, but um, but not stuff that's going to be too too like you know uh, temporal so that this thing products now are relevant soon and that's part of that lap the making things that last um, and and uh, part of you know we don't want to create more waste as well and, um, and and part of that too was like there's a that one of the Airbnb founders who was saying you know, you've got like a hundred units of love. You can either have it focused in the middle and have a, a few number of people that love you or a lot of n- number of people that like you. And that was something that really spoke to me early on. And um, I really loved the, that idea of focusing on this really, really core group. Um, and and then from a tactical marketing standpoint, it, it helps with, you know, the word of mouth and all that sort of stuff. And, and uh, you know, repeat customers and repeat customers have lower refund rates and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, so, so again, it's part of that greed for good. I think it, it's the best economical way to do it. Um, and it's, it's the best way that makes better products for, for people. And, and, and ultimately they all sort of fuel each other. And it's part of that, um, virtuous cycle. Love that. I think this is actually a fantastic spot to wrap and Ben, I'm going to try to do my best to summarize everything that you just talked about here, but I think the biggest thing is like, if you're going to make social responsibility a part of what you're doing, you need to make it a byproduct of your business. It can't just be like something that you're putting in here. You need to see what the impact is across everything. I really love this idea of like businesses tend to create a vicious cycle, but if you look at it as a virtuous cycle, then you're starting to think about it the right way. For those that are going to get started with this, the best place to start is to pick where you want to make an impact. And we'll link to, I think they were called the sustainability goals. Um, through the UN. And we'll link to that in the show notes so everyone can take a look. And then in terms of like avoiding, I don't even know what the term is for the social responsibility side, but like the greenwashing aspect of this is 
focus on outcomes and let the story tell itself. And then when you get that validation from your customers and from just the market in general, that's when you can start to put some marketing effort behind this. And then I think the last thing that you said there is like greed for good. It's not that we're putting together a charity here. It's that we're doing something bigger and like the commerce side and the ethical side kind of play in harmony. How's that for a summary? Yeah, no, that's perfect. I, I think the only thing I'd I'd just add to that is that, you know, we started really, really small. We started like our, our social investment, you know, uh, was was relative pocket change to 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 a company when uh, to a larger company uh, in the grand scheme of things. And I think it's just important to not be intimidated by trying to be perfect. And instead, just like my, my guiding principles, like start small, start now. Um, there's no better, you know, the best time to start is when you found the company and the next best time is right now. And any any time you delay after this, it's like anything else in business. Like you're, you're probably not going to nail it right away, uh, but you're not, there's just no way to do it. So you have to just get going, get out there, try something and then feel what's good and just improve on that. Um, and just, you know, it, you don't have to be so hundred percent tuned. It's like, just be directional with it. Is this like, is this the easiest thing for you to do and it's the best thing that you for you to do like you can either take the left path or the right path and and just do with the one that's like nice and good and easy um and start starting walking down that path now and you know you'll just be miles down the road um when things really start to 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 uh, compound love that best time to start is right now if you have already started your business and ben this has been fantastic thanks so much for sharing all your wisdom on social responsibility with everyone thanks guys been The Exchange, presented by Loop, the returns platform for Shopify. Thanks for listening.